For the second straight night, it was an Orioles loss to the Astros, in which one of their best relievers had one of his worst outings. But silver lining could be there might be some reinforcements coming for this bullpen around September. Who could they be? Well, I'll answer that question more coming up on this mailbag episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Thursday, August 10th, 2023. And welcome back into the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to recap another Orioles loss as they fall 8-2 to to the Houston Astros on Wednesday night. I'll get you the five things you need to know from that one, including... A solid, okay Jack Flaherty start. Jacob Webb having a great Orioles debut. And Shintaro Fujinami forgetting how to find the strike zone. Then we will open up the mailbag. As I had promised earlier in the week, we will start to do it today. Only three questions I'm going to answer on this one, but three really good questions from you, the listener, here on today's mailbag episode, including what will the Orioles do when Mullins and Hicks come back? What will the Orioles do when rosters expand in September? And which of these kind of injured and struggling pitchers could come back to Baltimore and help the O's down the stretch? But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast, which is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So we start today with an Orioles loss. The final score from Oriole Park at Camden Yards on Wednesday night. The Astros 8 and the Orioles 2. I was in the ballpark for this one. It was not pretty early. It got better in the middle. It was not pretty late as the Orioles lost the game. The Astros have now taken the first two of this series. And the O's are in danger of being swept for the first time this season. The Orioles fall to 70-44 and on the season with the loss. But little silver lining at least. The Rays did lose. The Cardinals beat the Rays 6-4 to on Wednesday night. So the Orioles maintain their two-game lead atop the AL East standings. And I'm going to get you the five things you need to know from the Orioles' 8-2 loss to the Astros. And the first thing you need to know is it just felt like this game was kind of doomed from the start. And I'm not just talking about everything swirling around the Orioles with John Angelos at this point. But how this game started, Jack Flaherty goes out there for his Camden Yards debut. And with two outs in the first inning and a runner on, guess who? It's Kyle Tucker who got the scoring started in this one. A two-run, two-out homer in the first inning. 105 off the bat, just annihilated the baseball 427 feet to right center field to make it a 2-0 game. It was back-to-back at-bats with home runs for Tucker after his ninth inning grand slam off Felix Bautista on Tuesday night gave the Astros the W. But Flaherty gets out of it, keeps it 2-0. Go to the bottom of the first. Adley Rutschman leads off the inning with a bloop triple. You're thinking, all right, here we go. We're right back to it. Then Gunnar Henderson strikes out on a questionable check swing call on 0-2. Then Anthony Santander strikes out after being ahead 3-0. And then Ryan O'Hearn flies out to deep left field. And all of a sudden, after the leadoff triple, they don't even get the one run home. Even just a ground out. I mean, the Astros infield was playing back. Even a ground out, a fly out, something from two of your best hitters. 
Henderson and Santander at least get you on the board, gets the momentum swinging back in your way. It just did not happen. The Astros got another run in the second inning, and it just seemed like kind of doomed from the start. Second thing you need to know from this one is that Jack Flaherty almost blew up in this game. Things almost got very much away from him. But he settled down enough to get through five scoreless innings. Flaherty in his second start as an Oriole and his first at Camden Yards after throwing six strong innings of one-run ball with eight strikeouts in his O's debut in Toronto last week. Flaherty goes just five innings in this one, allowing three runs on six hits, struck out eight once again, walked two, and allowed that home run to Tucker in the first inning. 98 pitches and only five hard-hit balls against Jack Flaherty. And as I mentioned, it could have gotten bad. Like, he gives up the two-run homer, in the first, he comes back out there in the second inning, and they get another run off of him in the second. After he hits Mauricio Dubon with one out, then he allows a single to Altuve, ends up walking Bregman, and by the end of the inning, after Abreu had let off with a single, it was the RBI single from Altuve that made it 3 nothing, and you just felt like this could get really out of hand. And then you get to the third inning, and that's when things really got tough. You get a line out by Jeremy Pena, a Mauricio Debon single, or excuse me, in the fourth inning. But in the third inning, you had Flaherty kind of settle down, right? He gets to that fourth inning. He settles down a little bit more after leaving the bases loaded in the second. And then you have the fifth inning, which could have gotten out of hand again. After a Bregman double, an intentional walk to Kyle Tucker with one out, and then he hits Jose Abreu with two outs to load the bases. But Flaherty went to one final pitch, a good breaking ball to strike out Jeremy Pena with the bases loaded in that fifth inning to limit the damage. Listen, he left them loaded twice, left multiple runners on base. But eight strikeouts is eight strikeouts. And his 16 Ks in his first two starts as an Oriole are the most in Orioles history by any starting pitcher in his first two Oriole starts. Pretty impressive by Jack Flaherty in this one. And again, the fastball velocity was a b really big reason. We mentioned in his first start how he was up over 94 with his average fastball. He was only 93.4, but once again, he threw his hardest pitch of the season. Threw one fastball at 97.2 miles per hour, his hardest pitch of the season. All his pitch velocities were up. He had 14 whiffs on the day, pretty solid number. Slider was good, curveball was good, fastball was good. Liked what I saw once again from Jack Flaherty. Although, again, it could have gotten really out of hand. He kind of kept the O's in this game. Third thing you need to know from this one is that Austin Hayes finally hit the ball in the air, and wouldn't you know it, he was rewarded with it. For Hayes, his first home run in a month was his 10th homer of the year, a two-run shot in the fourth inning off of Astros starter Christian Javier, got the O's on the board, and made it a 3-2 game. Hayes hitting the ball the other way into the flag court in the fourth inning, 104 off the bat, 399 feet out to right field. His issues in the midst of his struggle since the All-Star break has been everything is hit on the ground, seemingly grounding out, hitting into double plays every single time he's up there. But he gets the ball in the air, and what does he do? Still hits it hard and is rewarded with a home run. Austin, let's do that a little bit more often. Fourth thing you need to know from this one is that Jacob Webb, 
who the Orioles claimed off waivers from the Los Angeles Angels earlier this week, the right-handed reliever, was activated to the roster on Wednesday, taking Joey Crable's place, who was optioned to AAA to make room. And Webb came out in the sixth inning, relieving Jack Flaherty, with the Orioles trailing 3-2. to And Webb had one of the best Orioles reliever debuts in franchise history. Webb goes out there and strikes out all three batters that he faces. You were looking at it going, why did the Angels give up on this guy? Strikes out Dubon, strikes out Maldonado, strikes out Altuve in the inning. The stuff was looking pretty nasty. I talked about Webb a little bit on Wednesday's episode. Make sure to go back and check that one out to kind of get the full scouting report breakdown on the right-hander Jacob Webb. But it was five whiffs on seven swings. It was fastball, sweeper, changeup. He got whiffs on all three pitches. The Astros swung and missed at all three sweepers that they swung at in this outing. Very impressed by what Jacob Webb showed right there. And maybe somebody who can come in and help the Orioles' bullpen He also became the first Orioles reliever to strike out all three batters he faced in an inning in his Orioles debut since Al Reyes did it against the Angels on July 25th of 1999. Yeah, it's been a while, so shout out to Jacob Webb for that one. But the fifth and final thing you need to know from the Orioles 8-2 loss to the Astros is that, well... The Orioles got the bad version of Shintaro Fujinami on Wednesday night. Fuji came in after the Webb scoreless sixth, a CNL Perez scoreless seventh, and he's trying to hold it at a 3-2 game. And he got some help from Austin Hayes, who took away an extra base hit, maybe a homer to start the inning. Then Fuji gets a pop-up, and all of a sudden, he is 3-2 on Jeremy Pena with two outs and nobody on, and he walks him. Okay, Fuji walks, guys, that's fine. Goes 3-2 to Mauricio Dubon, walks him. Okay, now it's getting a little bit concerning. Chris Holt goes out there to talk with him. Then he goes 3-2 and two to Martin Maldonado, a guy who's hitting 173, and he walks him too. So after getting the first two batters, Fuji walks the next three. And mind you, not just any three batters, the seven, eight, and nine batters in the Houston order. He walks consecutively and comes out of the game. Mike Bauman comes in and unfortunately could not get the O's out of the jam. A two-run single from Jose Altuve, followed by a two-run single from Alex Bregman. And all of a sudden, it's a 7-2 game in the eighth, and the Astros had broken it wide open. It's just good Fuji and then bad Fuji. We saw amazing Fuji in his last outing on Sunday. Nine pitches, nine strikes, two strikeouts, dominated the Mets. We saw the bad Fuji here. Three walks in a row. He can just lose it at any time. The command was bad. The velocity was good. I think he'll have his next outing. I think he'll be great. And I think this is kind of what, I mean, the Orioles made their bed. They got to lie in it. They went after a guy with a really high ceiling and a really low floor because he can lose the command at any time in Fujinami. And that's what we saw in the loss on Wednesday night as the Orioles fall 8-2 to to the Astros and do, in fact, drop the series. But, hey. They're still in first place, two games up. They're still 70-44. and 44. Pretty good record on the season. And things could get better for the Orioles here coming up. They got a couple of key outfielders, Mullins and Hicks, returning from the IL soon. Plus, they get to add two extra players on September 1st. Plus, they got a lot of pitchers who could be back soon as well. And you've got questions about all those things. So coming up next, we're opening up the mailbag, just cracking it open to answer a couple of Orioles' questions about the September roster, what it could look like moving forward. That's coming up next. But first, 
This episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Now, I've talked about Game Time a lot on this podcast, but this for me is my favorite place now to get tickets to Orioles games. They've got tickets to every show, every event, every game you could want, including the Baltimore Orioles. They're the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all those events. They've got killer deals on last-minute tickets, and with the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you will have. Now, the best thing about Game Time is they've got these flash deals, right, on last-minute tickets. You can go on the app. It can be 20 minutes before first pitch. You can get a good deal on a ticket, buy the ticket right there on your phone in the app, and the ticket just pops up. You don't have to go to another site, don't have to search through your email. You can buy a ticket right outside of Utah Street, boom, get it scanned and walk into the ballpark. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has the deals on tickets right up to the day of the event, and you buy the tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, and you're set. So snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. So the Orioles fall to the Astros 8-2 on Wednesday night. I've now dropped the series, dropping the first two out of three, and... They will try to avoid the sweep today against Houston. Little day game action. Don't want to be swept. Haven't been swept since Adley was called up. We'll see if they can avoid it again today. And you can listen to every single pitch of that broadcast. Orioles hometown radio broadcast. SXM app with SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. But I had promised you all a mailbag back on Tuesday's episode this week because the Orioles were, had an off day on Monday. Generally do some mailbags. Then I got some amazing questions from you, the listeners. And then some things happened on Monday. Some things transpired where I did what was maybe my favorite episode of the now 814 I've done since taking over this podcast was that John Angelos episode I did on Tuesday. If you haven't checked it out, go back and listen to it. But that kind of skewed the mailbag plan a little bit. But you all still had sent in some great questions. So now and throughout the next week or so on the pod, I'm going to get to a lot of those questions. Just going to get to three of them today. But there are three really good questions that have to do with roster construction for this Orioles team. So let's start with the first question, opening up the mailbag here. A lot of people sent in this question. I mean, 10, 15 different people. Kyle and Dave on Twitter, multiple different people sent in this question. Those were just the first couple that sent it in. Who will be sent down when Cedric Mullins and Aaron Hicks return from the injured list? It's a great question because it looks like these two are going to be back pretty soon. Brandon Hyde said before Wednesday's game, that he thinks Cedric Mullins could rejoin the team on Friday when the Orioles head to the West Coast to take on the Seattle Mariners. And he also said on Tuesday that Aaron Hicks is very close to starting a rehab assignment as well. So it's interesting. We kind of thought Hicks would be back before Mullins. Instead, it looks like it'll be the other way. But Mullins has been rehabbing in Bowie, looking good, has made some insane defensive plays in center field, made another great catch in center in Wednesday night's game for the Bay Sox. He looks like he's ready to come back and patrol center field. And Hicks, maybe another week or two after him, should be back. But looks like they'll both be back in August, which means they can't just be the September roster additions. So who gets sent down? Well, I think there's one pretty easy answer, and that is Ryan McKenna. Now, McKenna was playing for a little bit. He's lost a little bit of playing time to Jorge Mateo in center field. It was Colton Kowser who started in center on Wednesday night. 
He was in the minors for a while. It's kind of the easy choice there. So when Mullins comes up Friday, I would expect McKenna to be optioned to AAA Norfolk. But that second move is going to be a lot tougher because even though Hicks was really good when the O's brought him over, he cooled off a bit before the injury. And Hicks is not as important to the Orioles as Mullins is. So there's still a chance that the Orioles could just move on from Aaron Hicks. Now, I don't think they will. He seems to have brought a good leadership, a good veteran presence. He's a guy who's played in the postseason before, played in key September baseball games before. He's still been productive, and I think the O's would like to have him back on the team. The question is, Mullins for McKenna is pretty easy. What do the O's do after that? Well, what I would have told you if the O's hadn't claimed Jacob Webb earlier this week what I would have said is, I bet they just option Joey Crable in favor of Hicks and go with 14 hitters and 12 pitchers for a little bit until they figure it out. But now that they've gotten Webb, and he was as good as he was Wednesday night, striking out the side, looking nasty in his first Orioles outing, I think the O's want Jacob Webb in that bullpen right now. And there's not many other relievers with options. Felix Bautista and Yenye Cano have options. They're not being sent down. Cole Irvin has options, so he would be a maybe. But other than that, you've got a lot of relievers right now. I mean, Mike Bauman has options. I don't think they would send him down. you got a lot of relievers that you'd like to keep in this bullpen right now. So I think it might be another hitter. And really, you've got three options right now once you get to Hicks. Number one, if you're not going to go pitcher. And you could, you know. Hicks will take longer here, right? They have a lot more time to make this decision. It'll be at least another week after Mullins, if not more. I would say Hicks, like, earliest he would be back is maybe, like, August 20th, and it feels like it could be even later than that. So it will be interesting to see what they do because there could be an injury between now and then. Another reliever could really struggle a lot more and would make it easy to kind of make that move to go to 14 hitters. But if it is a hitter and it's not an injury, you really have two options. It's either Colton Kowser gets sent back to AAA. I mean, he did not look good once again at the plate on Wednesday. And I did hit one ball hard out to right center field, but a couple of ugly-looking strikeouts in an 0-for-4 day with two Ks. It could be Kowser or it could be Jorge Mateo time. But to be honest, the way the O's have used Mateo, the way they've talked about how they like his speed, Hyde wants to have him on the roster, he's versatile, I think he's going to stay. And I don't think they're going to DFA him like, you know, 10 days before the rosters expand. So I really do think, you know, if there's nobody else injured or no other pitcher really struggling, I think it's going to be Colton Kowser unless he picks it up. I mean, he's got a week and change, maybe 10 days to pick it up at the plate. If he doesn't, I think they might give Kowser a little reset in AAA because he has the options. You get Hicks, the veteran in there. I think McKenna for Mullins and then Kowser for Hicks would be those two moves. Now, here's kind of the buildup to that. Okay, you get Hicks back, you get Mullins back, you have McKenna and Kowser in AAA. You're sitting at 13 pitchers and 13 hitters. The next question came from Chris on YouTube along with a whole bunch of other people as well. Who do you see being the Orioles' two September call-ups this year? Now remember, September call-ups a little different now. No longer can you just put 40 guys on the roster. Rosters expand from 26 to 28 players starting on September 1st. Last year, the Orioles added D.L. Hall and Jesus Aguilar to their roster on September 1st. It can be two hitters. It can't be two pitchers. You can't go more than 14 pitchers on the 28-man roster. So there's that question. 
Now let's assume that McKenna and Kowser are the two previous moves. So the two of them are sitting in AAA. I do think when the rosters expand again, it could just be right back to Kowser. Now, it would be interesting to see the O's do that depending on how the timing works out, but it would probably work out okay that it'd be more than 10 days after Hicks came back. I would just say you give Kowser like a two-week reset, right, in AAA while Hicks comes back, and then you get him back in September because he can still certainly help your lineup. Now, the other option would be McKenna if you just really wanted that defensive replacement out there, but I would think Kowser, and then I would say the pitcher would be D.L. Hall. I mean, there's a chance Hall could be up here before then, but if he's not, I mean, he's pitched three scoreless dominant innings in AAA since rejoining the Tides bullpen. They'll continue to use him as a reliever for a couple of weeks, and I think he could be that guy. Now, the other big option would be Tyler Wells, and Tyler Wells is the big question mark here. You know, he th threw three and a third of one-run ball in Bowie over the weekend. Looks like he'll pitch again this weekend for the Bay Sox. Be really interesting to see what they do with him. Now, I don't think he'll be back in the majors before September 1st, so I think that makes him a candidate, certainly, for one of the September call-ups. I just think they'd rather go with Hall in that bullpen and then kind of feel it out with Wells and then potentially feel it out with John Means a little later in the month, knowing that you also have potentially Brian Baker could come back, Keegan Aiken, maybe Nick Vespi. You do have a lot of options. But I would say right now, if Kowser is the send-down, I would say Kowser comes back along with D.L. Hall for those September 1st guys. But I was talking about those pitchers, right? There's a lot of them in that category of Aiken, Vespi, Baker, Voth. Either they've struggled some, they've had to be put in AAA for weird reasons, or they're injured. A lot of those guys are going to kind of be ready to go again over the next couple of weeks. How will the Orioles sort through all those arms? That's the mailbag question I'm going to answer to finish off the pod coming up next. So we're answering a couple of awesome mailbag questions from you, the listeners, here on today's episode. Coming up after an Orioles loss. They've lost the first two games of this series to the Astros. But again, it's all about avoiding the sweeps. The Orioles have not been swept since Adley Rutschman was called up last May. And they're trying. They've done it before this year where they've lost the first two games, then won game three. They're trying to do it again today. A little Thursday matinee baseball at the yard. Now, there is a good amount of rain in the forecast, so watch out for that. But right now, this game is scheduled for a 12.35 p.m. Eastern time start today on Thursday. I'll be in the ballpark once again for this one. It'll be the really good rookie right-hander, Hunter Brown, who gets the start for the Astros in this game. 21 starts and a 4.07 ERA. He's got really good strikeout stuff. Last time out against the Yankees, six innings, two runs, and four strikeouts. Brown will go up against Dean Kramer, who was incredible in his two starts against the Astros last season. Let's hope he can kind of be a stopper here, have another incredible start. Kramer has a 4-6-1 ERA in 23 starts this season. His last time out there was really a weird one against the Mets, right? Five and a third, only two runs on two hits, four Ks, but four walks in that game as well. We'll see if he can keep it in the strike zone a little bit better in today's afternoon game. And you can catch every single pitch of the Orioles' hometown radio broadcast of this game with the SXM app through SiriusXM. Just download the app and search Orioles. But speaking of pitching, one more mailbag question to get to here on today's episode. And it has to do with the pitching. We got this version of a question from a lot of different people. YouTube, Twitter as well, 
sending in a, a version of this question, so I kind of combined it all into one question. What will the Orioles do with all of the kind of injured slash struggling pitchers who are either in AAA right now or are on the IL but who have helped the Orioles at some point this season or last season? It is a really good question because if you think about it, there is a large group of those guys kind of slowly making their way back to Baltimore. So really to answer this question, I just wanted to run through all these names, give you an update on their status and how they could help the O's down the stretch, get into the postseason, maybe in the playoffs as well. So let's start with the big one, John Means. That is the biggest news right here because the Orioles announced that today, today in Richmond for the AA Bowie Bay Sox, John Means will finally make his first rehab outing after getting injured last April, getting Tommy John surgery last May. John Means will be throwing a rehab outing. Now, I'm not sure what the pitch count will be, how many innings he will throw, and it's going to take a while to build him up. I mean, you can have him on rehab for 30 days, so that would take him to essentially September 10th before you would you know, have to activate him. So there's still going to be some time here. You know, He's coming back from Tommy John. But that is huge, huge news. And the Orioles have said all along, early September, early September, it seems like this timeline is putting him back in Baltimore in early September. Now, I don't know what role he'll be in. First of all, you got to make sure he's okay for a roster spot. There is no guarantee that Means goes out there in these rehab starts, gets kind of closer and closer back to the old John Means, and he's ready to go and get some outs for the Orioles. There's still a chance that he comes back he looks bad, they have to kind of reset him, and he just never becomes a reliable piece for the O's down the stretch, and they just kind of punt this year and get him ready for 2024. That's still a possibility. But if he is usable, I would guess to say he's in the bullpen when he comes back. Now, that doesn't mean he can't make a spot start or two down the stretch. He could kind of do what the Orioles, I think, are planning to do with Cole Irvin this weekend, is start Irvin Saturday in Seattle and kind of push everybody else back one day to get these young starters a little more rest. I could see them doing that with John Means a couple of times in September as well. But I would see it being mainly a bullpen role, starting when they need him to, throw him in there, and then kind of feel it out throughout September and see if he would be helpful in either a pen role or a starting role when you put together that playoff roster. Next guy is Tyler Wells, another potential starting option who was the O's ace for a little bit this year and then just kind of fell apart in the second half, looking tired. We'll see how these next couple of starts go. Again, it was pretty solid what he did in Bowie over the weekend. We'll monitor the next few. I would say he doesn't return until September, and I would guess kind of like means he returns in the bullpen in September. Maybe he can spell the starters a couple of times by making a spot start and pushing guys back, but he was really good in the bullpen in 2021. I could see him playing in that role again down the stretch in 2023. Then there's Michael Gibbons. A couple of scoreless outings in AAA rehab so far. Maybe in September he's back, but to be honest, I'm kind of punting on Michael Gibbons at this point. The fastball velocity in his last AAA outing was 90 miles an hour. He didn't even touch 91 with any pitch. The Michael Gibbons we know is 94 to 96. With a slider at 85, his slider's now at 81. It's a shoulder injury. It's a knee injury. He doesn't look right. He's not getting guys out. I would just punt on Givens. If you have to bring him back, I would just DFA him, to be honest. I mean, there's a chance you'd put him you know, back on the 60-day injured list and just have him be out for the season. That's probably more likely than a DFA, but I think that's in the cards, too. Either way, I don't see Givens pitching for the O's this year. 
And same for Dylan Tate. I mean, at least Givens is pitching in rehab games right now. Dylan Tate is still not pitching a rehab game. He hasn't even started throwing again, according to Brandon Hyde. I think he's done for the season. I don't know whether or not he needs Tommy John surgery. I don't know if he needs surgery at all. If he does, I wish the Orioles would have done it sooner. But this is going to be a completely lost season for Tate. Hopefully he can get healthy in the offseason and help the O's in 2024 because he's been a huge part of their bullpen for the last few years. And not having him is one of the main reasons the Orioles' middle relief has struggled this season. I just, you can't count on Dylan Tate. I don't see him being in the majors this year. Keegan Aiken. Keegan Aiken's been pitching on rehab a little bit. But uh, fastball was 90 to 91, his last AAA rehab outing. We're used to like 93 to 95 for Keegan Aiken. Good thing for Aiken is he does still have AAA options. So when the rehab assignment ends, you can kind of just option him to AAA. I think that's what the O's would do. Unless they have an emergency where they need him in the big leagues, I think Aiken finishes the year off in Norfolk. Austin Voth is an interesting one. He's been making some rehab outings in AAA, has been going okay. The Orioles did just transfer him to the 60-day injured list. That was more of a procedural move to make room on the 40-man for Jacob Webb. Otherwise, he still could be back in September. I think the O's still like the stuff from Voth, so as long as the elbow is healthy, I could see him helping the Orioles. But again, he's kind of also an either DFA or just put him on the IL for the rest of the season candidate, which is, again, just like Givens, probably more likely to do the IL. I'm just not convinced he can help the O's right now. And then there's two more who I am more convinced. The first one is Brian Baker. Now, Baker went back to AAA last week after he had really been struggling in the big league bullpen over the last few weeks. He's got to work on his changeup. He looked a little bit better in that first AAA rehab outing, or relief outing, I should say, not on rehab, not really injured. I do think Brian Baker will be back in the Orioles' bullpen at some point in September. I'm not sure what role it's going to be in, but I think he's got too good of stuff and he's helped the Orioles too much over the last two years to just be shut out for the rest of the season out of the pen. I think we will see Brian Baker back here. And then the last guy is D.L. Hall, who I mentioned. Three scoreless innings with seven strikeouts so far in AAA Norfolk. As I mentioned, I predict him to be the September 1st call-up pitcher. I think he's going to be really good out of the O's bullpen. And I do think he's going to be on the playoff roster in the bullpen. That's how much I believe in Hall out of the pen. I honestly think he could be here before September 1st if he continues to look this good. But I think D.L. Hall himself could be the X-factor pitcher for the Orioles in the final month of the season. But that's a look at those mailbag questions, at those pitchers coming back. Thank you so much for sending in those questions. We'll get to some more mailbag questions maybe coming up on tomorrow's episode. We'll also recap Game 3 between the O's and the Astros. Hopefully the O's can avoid another sweep. And we'll get you ready for a weekend West Coast series. Cedric Mullins is back. Kevin Brown is back. And the Orioles travel to Seattle to take on the Mariners. Talk about that coming up on tomorrow's episode. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb. And this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.